Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning, good morning. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, my name's Keith. I'm the, uh, the campus pastor here, and I want to welcome you, especially if it's your, your first time here. Uh, we are so glad that you're with us today. Today is a special day because, come on, man, it's Father's Day. Yeah, it's about to get so manly in here. I'm sorry, ladies. We're just going to just have the rest of the day just going to be just man stuff. All my analogies are going to be about steak and killing stuff and who knows what's going to happen today. No, um, I do want to take a moment, though, and, and, um, and honor, just honor all of our dads today. And uh, I, th- I think everybody would agree, even the, especially the dads, we would all agree that we need prayer. Somebody please pray for us. Right. Um, and uh, so I just want to just pray a, a special blessing on you before we get to the message. If if you're here and you're a dad, wave at me. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm not going to have you get up this morning or anything like that. But if you're near them, if the kids put your hands on your dad, wives, put your hands on the father. And let's just bless them and pray for them for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for all the dads in here today. We thank you for the fathers that are in this place. Um, even the ones that aren't here today. We even just lift up our own fathers that may not even be here and Lord, I just ask that you just a special anointing and blessing would be on them today. God, that, you, that your favor, I thank you that your favor is upon them. That just like Jesus, they are growing in wisdom and they are growing in stature and in favor with both God and with man. I thank you for that they have the wisdom to, 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 to be a great husband. They have the wisdom to be a great dad. And I just thank you for all that, they're doing, that, that you're doing in their life. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Come on, let's give our dads just one big hand clap today. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right in today. Over the last three weeks, we've been in this series that I'm calling Made to Rain. And I I want to, uh, every time I say that, I can't help but think of the movie. It's like, make it rain. All right, it's probably not one you should watch, but I did before I was a Christian. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, are, we, are, we are made, we're made to reign. In fact, I want us just to all say that, say, I am made, I am made to reign. We are actually made to reign in life. We're made to be successful in life. We're made to prosper. Yes, I'll even use that word. We're made to prosper in every single area of our life. This is who we are created to be as believers. This is who we are as sons and daughters. We are actually made to reign. We see this in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Paul tells us, he says, Because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, speaking of Adam. Then he goes on to say, Much more, come on, say much more. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul was teaching us that when Adam sinned, death entered the world. Death began to reign. Oh, but because of the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, guess what? Death doesn't reign anymore. We reign. We now reign in life through the power of Jesus. You know, I looked up this this word reign And um, the definition of this word in the Greek, it means to rule. Don't you think about that? It means to rule. 
give you an English definition around this. It says, it means to hold royal office, to rule as king or queen. The Webster's 1828 dictionary, um, this is, this is the, the dictionary that has every word in the Bible. This is what it says for this, this word reign. It says to exercise or possess sovereign power or authority. To exercise or possess. Let me, let me, I'm going to say it this way. To exercise and possess sovereign power or authority. So I'm going to take that definition. I'm going to reread this scripture today. Are you ready? Here's what Paul said. He said, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise or possess sovereign power or authority in life through Jesus Christ. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness rule as a king in life, rule as a queen in life through the one man, Jesus. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you have power. <laughs> look back at your neighbor and say, I have authority. See, you are, you're made to reign. You're made to have, a, you, you, you do reign. You know that, right? Amen. You reign, you have authority, you have power. Speaking of power, 2 Peter chapter 1 begins to talk about God's power and what it actually has done for us. Look at uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things. Come on, say all things. I'm going to have you talk a lot today, so just get used to it, all right? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them, through those promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So that you'll become kings, so that you'll become queens, so that you'll realize your, your sonship. He said, through the promises that you become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You know what Peter was saying here to all of us? He was saying, hey, you know what? You're not just made to reign in life. You've been given everything you need to reign in life. It's not just who you are. You're not, just a, you're not a king without a throne. You're not a king without a mansion. You're not a queen without a mansion. No, I, here's what Peter wanted to get across. God, through his divine power, has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. That means you have everything you need because of Jesus. You have everything you need to live in this life. On top of that, you have everything you need to be godly. Everything that pertains to life and to godliness. You actually have the ability not to get mad when you drive. I know, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem truthful. You actually have the ability through the Holy Spirit to be patient, to be kind. To love the way that God loves. I mean, 
just to kind of prove it to you a little bit more, if you go back in this verse, you know what Jesus actually called us to? If you look at the second part of verse 3, it says, through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence. You've been called up to the excellence of Jesus. The only way you get there is by realizing it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. The glory and excellence that he lives at, he's actually provided for you. He's, and, and I've said this before, God is not a God who, who dangles the carrot in front of you and never gives it to you. So he won't, he won't call you to be something you could never be. He's given you this ability. And here's what Peter actually points out. He says, in order for you to partake in this divine nature, in order for you to walk in this divine nature as kings, queens, sons, and daughters, here's what he says. He says, it comes by the knowledge of him and, by, and, by, and, and through his promises. It's through knowing him and by engaging in his promises. We receive his grace, we receive his righteousness, and then we take everything that we read about in Scripture, every promise in his word, every, every bit of knowledge that we have of him, and we say, we, we say yes to it. We say, Lord, if you say do this and I get this, I'll do this so I get this. And we begin to partake through the promises in his divine nature. Is this making sense? I want to kind of highlight one promise to you today. That I, that I believe uh, the Lord's, the direction he's wanting us to go. And um, even kind of ties into what Braden was saying during, during ministry time today. But today I want to talk to you about an area of your life that every single person in this place wants to reign in. And that's your money. I believe that God wants you to reign financially. He wants you to reign financially. And so we're going to stop right here and we're going to pray because the pastor's about to talk about money a lot. And y'all just need to get ready. Okay, y'all ready? Uh, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We ask that you bless it. Uh, that we, we give you, I prayed this in first service, we, we give you our belief system. We give you our faith. We hold it out and say, Lord, if we're believing something that's, that's lacking, that is less than, that is not right, we give you permission right now, God, to change it. Because we want to believe right. We want to believe biblically, scripturally what you have for us. So yeah, Lord, we just ask that you bless this time in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. Contrary to popular Christian belief, money is not the root of all evil. And you may have heard this quoted before. That money is the root of all evil. But I need to let you in on something. Did you know that scripture doesn't actually say that? It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. You know what scripture actually says? It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. In fact, I want to read it to you today so you believe me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Before we go any further today, we all have to get on, we have to get on board with this one truth, and this one truth is this. Money is not evil. Money in the church is not evil. 
I'll even, I'll even say this one because this, this will kind of this will kind of make you uh, <laughs> uh, do some examination on the inside of it if you really believe this. Lots of money is not evil. You having lots of money is not evil. Uh, this will really test if you really believe this. Your friend having lots of money is not evil. Money's not evil. And can I just say this? You want your friend to have lots of money because that means you get in on some of it, all right? <laughs> Let's just throw that out there, a little, little side note there. <clears throat> but money, is not, money, money isn't evil. We need money to function in this world. We need money to function in the kingdom. What, what we, you know what we'll need in this church? We'll need money to build a building or to buy a building or to do new things or to hire someone new or to grow. It will take money. And there is nothing wrong with money. We have to, to get this out of our thinking. We have to get this out of our belief system. And, and, and that's actually what I want to speak to you about today. But to, to start off this message, what do you actually believe about money? Like, what do you believe about it? And maybe you've never asked these questions to God. I know they've been rolling around in your head before, though. But, like, I'll ask you, how much is too much money? How much is too much? How... Can you, can you own too nice of a car? Is there too big of a house? Like what? Y'all got super quiet when I started asking these questions. But how much, is, how much is too much? Do you believe that God just wants you to have enough to meet your need? Or could he, could he quite possibly want you to have enough to meet your need and far beyond that? But how much far beyond? There was a, a pastor, I believe it was Keith Moore, and he taught a series, and he began to talk about, he asked this question, most intriguing, interesting question. He said, he asked this question, would Jesus wear a Rolex? That just, that bothers everyone all, all up and down everywhere. I mean, would he wear a Rolex? Okay, if he wouldn't, what would he wear then? A fossil? Is a fossil Okay. You can get fossil at the buckle. Is that, is that all right? They still, they, still, they still sell those at the buckle? Y'all remember the buckle? Anybody else still go to the buckle? Boot cut jeans? <laughs> you sure, for sure you do. <laughs> We've already established the buckle and Eddie Bauer. If you ever want to get something for your pastor, just go to those two places. Pick anything, he'll wear it. Preferably fishing shirts. What, what would be okay then? These are questions that we kind of need to come to some conclusions with because we need to, there, there is, there's a limit and we all have it. There, there are things that right now, you know, I'll, be, I'll just be straight up honest with you. You know, I would be uncomfortable driving a Range Rover as a pastor. Guess what? I want to. I want one. I want one of those. I, would, I, I, want, I want a lot of those. I do. They are so cool. I used to have one. 
It's when I was playing football, though. Nobody judged me then, so I can't, you know. But, like, where are we at with that? And I'm not going to attempt to answer all those questions today. But I do want to ask you what you believe, because here's my point. It's very difficult for us to reign financially if we don't believe that God actually wants us to. And I really do believe we will reign financially to the level that we believe he wants us to. What blockages do we might have in our brain that says this is, we can't have this, this is too nice. What, what is it? Can I just tell you this? God has unlimited resources. So much so, we're going to be driving and walking on gold when we get to heaven. It's going to be under our feet. The gold's going to get dirty. He has so much of it. This is what is available in the kingdom. And I just want you to realize this, for you to believe that some person or that you could have too much nice stuff, actually what you're saying is you believe that there's not enough to go around. I believe that God has enough to go around, that he can actually bless you and bless me and bless you and bless your kids and still have plenty for the poor people and still have plenty to feed, feed the people who are in, in poverty and who need it and all of that stuff. And guess what? I'll even argue this. Guess who he wants to use to feed the poor and to feed the ones that are impoverished and to help those nations? He wants to use you. What do you need so that you can help them? You need money. We need it. I believe this is what scripture, not, this is not just my opinion, not what I feel. I actually believe that scripture want, proves the point that God wants you to prosper. He wants you to reign financially. And I'll, I'll say this, I believe he wants it for you and yours, but I also believe he wants it so that you can be a blessing to other people. We actually see this in Genesis chapter 12 when we read about the father of our faith. We see Abraham here. We see God coming to Abraham. And look at what it says in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 12. It says, God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Real, real cool line there. I mean, kind of an amazing line. He comes to Abraham and is like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to bless you and I'm going to make everyone know about it. I'm going to bless you and make you famous and then notice the next part, and you will be a blessing to others. Notice what comes on the backside of him blessing you. You have the ability to bless other people. He said, I'll bless you, make you famous, and you'll be, blessed, uh, be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. There's a lot of blessing in here. Curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, as we read this, this is, this is a good word, right? We're like, man, yes, father of our faith, Abraham, he was blessed, man. But what does that have to do with us? Thanks for asking that question, because I actually have the answer. Galatians chapter 3. Did you know that we're actually connected to this blessing? Not just the blessing of God, not just our sonship, and no, no, we're actually connected to the blessing of Abraham. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. It says, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Oh, I love that scripture. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit 
and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe. Notice what matters here, what you believe. What do you believe about money? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about your relationship? What do you believe? We begin to reign by what we, we reign in life because of what we believe. He said, it's because you believe the message you heard about, about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Come on, say, that's me. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Verse 9, here it is. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Did you get that? What's my point? You, there's a lineage and there's an inheritance that comes to you because of Jesus. And it all started right back here when God said, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you famous. All nations will be blessed because of you. If you read about Abraham's life, you know what's very, very clear? He had lots of stuff. Abraham had a lot of money. Many Christians would have a problem with Abraham if he lived now. It said he had an abundance of gold, silver, cattle. I'll add land to the mix. He had a bunch of stuff. He had so much so he gave some to his son-in-law and just said, hey, take it. And then prospered even more. This is the blessing that God says is for you because you believe in Jesus. He said, because of your faith in Jesus, the same blessing that Abraham had, you have. What was the, what was the, the, the biggest blessing that Abraham got? He was called righteous. He was, he was called righteous, whoa, because of his faith. I almost fell right off this stage. <laughs> I almost got blessed real quick. <clears throat> I don't even know where I was at. Um, he, he, the biggest blessing Abraham got was his righteousness. What do we get when we believe in Jesus? We get our righteousness. We get into right standing with God. I would argue this. Guess what comes on the backside of being in right standing with God? Reigning. Ruling. Power. Authority. Wisdom. Riches. Prosperity. See, many, I, I, I don't know why, I, actually, I, I guess I kind of understand this. In the church, I think uh, believers really love for the pastor to preach about, you know, we're, we're made to, to, to have lots of money so we can help other people. And that is for sure. This is what Abraham did. He was blessed to be a blessing. We are not so good with the idea that not only does he want to bless others, but he wants to bless us. We get uncomfortable. It seems prideful. It seems arrogant. 
There's a reason why people, the majority of Christians, don't, can't stand the prosperity gospel. In fact, there's a reason there's a name for it. They think the pastors and Christians are just out to just rub the, the magic genie bottle of God and get whatever they want. And I'll, I would argue that kind of is the way it's presented a lot of times. But I will tell you this, when you listen to those guys, there's a whole lot of truth in what they're saying. And there's a whole lot of truth in what I'm saying today. You cannot be in relationship with God and not prosper. You will prosper. Even if you are a screw up in your own mind, even if you never do anything right, in some way, God will prosper you. I'm not just saying financially. In your relationships, in your relationship with him, in your thinking, in your feelings, some way, some shape or form, he's going to actually bring prosperity to you. Why? Because you're meant to reign, and this is what he's provided for you. I didn't say it. Jesus did. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. And for the life of me, I've never been able to get over this. Why do people have such a problem with that? It is such good news. Why are you mad that God wants, you to, wants to bless you? Why, why are we mad? What you mad about, bro? I want you to hear me today. God wants to bless you. Just like he blessed Abraham, God wants to bless you. He wants, God himself wants to bless you. Not just your neighbor, not just the person who's doing a really good job following him, not just pastors, not just missionaries. He wants to bless you, not even because of your calling, but because of the fact that you're a son, that you're a daughter. What do we believe? Today, I want to give you four ways that I believe Scripture teaches us how we can reign financially. How do we reign financially? And number one is everything that I just said. It starts with this. It starts with you believing correctly. Number one, how do you reign financially? Believe correctly. I'll add a little sub-point to this. One of the most important things we can do to reign financially is to believe correctly and to speak correctly. Can I just ask you this question today? What are you saying about your financial situation? What do you say about your money? What are you, what are you, what are you praying about? What are you thinking about? What are you believing? What are you saying? I can't tell you how many times I'm walking around praying, and I'm saying, Lord, I thank you that we prosper financially, that we have everything we need and more than enough that we're gonna have the house we wanna live in, the cars we wanna drive. We're gonna be able to bless our kids in the way we wanna do it. We wanna, we're gonna be able to take the vacations we want to take because you want to bless us that much. If I wanna give good gifts to my kids, how much more do you wanna give me good gifts, God? And I just thank you that everything I put my hand to, it prospers. I thank you that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. And my God shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. What are you declaring? What are you speaking over your life? You know what I believe God wants for you? I believe that he wants you to have everything you need for your family. You have enough for your kids. 
You have enough for you? You kind of drive the car you want to drive? You have the house that you want that you want to have for yourself and for your family, but also a house that you feel that you can invite people over to and be hospitable and love on them and give them a, just a great loving experience at your home, that, that, that you have enough money that when you go out to dinner, you could look at a, a, a family of 18 over there and just be like, I'm going to buy their meal today and bless them. That's what he wants for you. That's what he's made available to you. Not just to be able to buy just the per, one person behind you in the coffee line, all six behind you. You can buy all of it. It's like, well, now it's about $30. But anyway, $5 coffee. It's getting old, okay? Come on. Three-ish would be good, Dutch Brothers guy, okay? Maybe? No? Okay. All right. He wants to bless you because he loves you. But he also wants you to have the ability to bless others. We've got to believe, right? Number two, we have to tithe faithfully. Tithe faithfully. Matthew 23, 23 says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? This is Jesus actually speaking. He says, hypocrites, for you are, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Notice this next line, Jesus talking, new covenant, not old. You should tithe. This is the part where I really like being a pastor because I just can let that sit. Jesus said, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. <clears throat> Guess what? There's more important things out there than tithing but it is an important thing. Scripture says that when we bring our tithe into the storehouse, he opens up windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing so much so that we cannot contain it all. You wanna activate that promise in your life? You tithe. I, if someone were to come to me and they were saying, man, I, I really want to get my finances in order. I really want to start succeeding and reigning in this. I'm telling you right now, the, the first piece of advice I would give hands down would be for them to tithe. I would ask them, are you tithing? Because I believe the blessing of God comes upon you when you engage in the promise. Some would argue, yeah, that, that's Old Testament. Well, you know what was also Old Testament? Do not murder. Do you still think that one's a good idea? There's, it's still good ideas. They still work. He wants to bless us. I'm not saying this to be dramatic, but this is what I really believe. I actually believe tithing is more important than saving. I think you should do both, but I would encourage someone to tithe before they started saving. Because I would rather have God's blessing on my 90 than saving my 100. Let's just be honest. We're only putting back five or 10 bucks anyway. That's going to take a long time. You need God's blessing on your finances. Number one, believe correctly. Two, tithe faithfully. Number three, steward wisely. Steward wisely. Luke 16, 10, verses through, uh, 10 through 13. I'm not going to read it all. 
you'll get the point right here. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. This is actually in reference to finances, to money, if you read it even further. See, today I, I want you to know I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, oh man, you know, the pastor said I'm a king, I'm a queen. I can just, I'm about to start swapping my credit card because I got an abundance. It's, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's coming. Don't do that. Because you know what also a king does and a queen does? They rule with wisdom. And it's very, very clear in scripture. We are always called to steward whatever we have. And when we steward the little we have, it shows, our, it shows God in it and we show ourselves we can actually handle the much. You know what the Lord showed me this week? I've never even thought about this before. We, we never step out of stewardship. What does it say? If you are faithful with the little, he will trust you to be faithful with much. Notice that you stay faithful with both, that we steward both. So if we'll steward this little thing, he'll give us a lot and we still have to steward it. What does it mean to steward wisely? It means real simple terms. When it comes financially, don't spend more than you make. Don't spend more than you make. Live by this word. It's gonna sound like a cuss word, a budget. If you need to live, live by a budget. You can't steward something that you don't have your hand on. Do you know where your money is going? Do you know what it is doing? That's a convicting for me. You wanna prosper financially. I believe this is another door that you can open for God to provide for you when you steward wisely. And the last one, number four, so generously so generously. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says, the generous will prosper. Notice that. The generous prosper. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. Here we are again. Here we're right back. We're blessed to be a blessing. Those who are generous. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. One of the ways we begin to reign financially is we begin to be generous with our money. There's been times in me and Natalie's life where we have sown for us, we've sown generously, bountifully, We've always been taken care of. I love this principle because you know what the scripture actually promises us? It says that the same measure that we give and that we sow, it'll be measured back to us. Now, hey, it's gonna take a little bit of faith for this one. You're gonna have to engage your faith in this. But sometimes one of the ways that we, we I've heard this before. Sometimes we just have to, we have to go and sow towards our future. The Lord will lead you in that just to, just to sow. Write a check. I'm not saying you spend money that you don't have. But you write a, a check or you give in the offering or you do something else. And it's like, man, I've never given this much before. Yeah, guess what? 
He wants you to be a cheerful giver. And the same measure you sow with is what you'll reap with. I want to encourage you today. I'm going to close right here. Let's, let's take off the, the lid in our thinking when it comes to what God can do in our lives financially. I really do mean this. I don't care what job you have. He can prosper you. You, you, can, you can work at a coffee shop or you could be a doctor. He could prosper you. You want to know how he prospered Abraham? You know how his whole little journey started out? Abraham was walking around trying to find out the land that, he had, that God had called him to. He walks into this territory owned by, the, owned by another king. He's afraid the king is going to kill them all. So guess what Abraham does? He offers up his wife to the king. But he didn't tell the king that it's his wife. He says, this is my sister. Y'all remember this story? The king takes his sister. That night, the king has a dream. God meets the king in the dream and says, hey, bro, not his sister. That's my translation, by the way. Not his sister, don't touch her. King wakes up, he gets furious, he calls Abraham in. Why'd you lie to me? This ain't, this is your wife. What, did you just want to curse me and curse my land? And here's what the king does. He says, take your wife back. And while I'm at it, here's a thousand pieces of silver and go pick out whatever land that you want. I want to make sure my conscience is clean and I'm good. What's my point? God can make a way in whatever way he wants to. I want to encourage you to pray for that way that just that Abraham did. That would probably be weird and awkward. Don't do that. But it don't matter. He, he can open up doors. Crazy stuff. That's where I want. I want the lid to come off. I want faith to go out. Where, how could God possibly bless you in any way he wants to? Checks in the mail. I don't know. $20 bills just falling down in your bedroom. I don't know. He can get you what he needs to get you. I ask you again, what do you believe about money? Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.